the good news is the bar is so obscenely low that if you even put like a tenth of a degree of effort into it, you will shine like the North Star. All you have to do is plan. That's all you have to do. These are not difficult things, but no one's doing them because it's like we all we all gravitate to the least amount of effort. Hello, everyone. I'm Julie Masters, and you are listening to Inside Influence. Today marks part two in a mini-series of little smaller-form conversations that we've put together for you this week, all on the theme of epic storytelling. Now, why are we focusing on epic storytelling? The reason being that one of the things that I've noticed and we have been tracking recently is that those that are getting cut through, those that are standing out right now, are not trying to take the old rules and squeeze them into a new chapter. Instead, they're taking the rules of this chapter, the rules of digital content, the rules of online storytelling, the rules of what makes something compelling in a brand new format, and they're going hard, doubling down on those. And why is that important? It's important because as we head into this new chapter, no matter what it looks like, some elements of our behavior will have fundamentally changed. What we are willing to show up for, what we are willing to consume, where, how long, and in what format, will probably not go back to what looked like before. Storytelling and the rules, I think, have changed for good from here on in. And those that are going to come out on top are going to be the ones that dive in and learn these new skills. So... On that topic, today I speak with Brant Pinvidic. Now, I have spoken with Brant on the podcast before, not that long ago, and we were talking about pitching, and we were talking about the rules of pitching and how to win people over in the first three minutes. When this all first started going down, I was really thinking, what does what does online pitching look like? What does Zoom pitching look like? What does what does pitching over the phone look like now? How do we win business now in a way that's compelling and predictable? Hence why I reached back out to him and just said, you know, the words, help. Brant is an award-winning film director, veteran television producer, top-rated podcast host, and author of The Three-Minute Rule. Say less to get more from any pitch or presentation. He is widely recognized as one of the great creative leaders in Hollywood. And his insights, having given over, I think it's 100-plus successful film and television pitches over his career, not mentioning those that didn't go as well as he hoped, because let's face it, we learn more from those. He has learned a few things. And what he learned was that if he didn't get them in the first three minutes, 99.9 times out of 100, he wouldn't get them at all. So what did I want to know? I wanted to know about pitching digitally over Zoom, Skype or the phone. I wanted to know whether the three minute rule became 30 seconds. Should you stand up or sit down? And does it really matter if your tech is less than ideal? Spoiler alert. Yes, it does. Apparently a lot. In this conversation in True Brand Star, we powered through the difference in ideal content structure and length when you're pitching online, how to position your body for strength and impact, how to deal with the lack of feedback. You know, that's one of the hardest things that I'm finding with the people that I'm working with right now on, on becoming an authority in their marketplace when it comes to standing up and presenting. We used to have immediate real-time feedback with people's body language, with their eye movements, with what, when they smiled, when they sat up straight. Now we've got nothing. How do you work with no feedback? How to convert the close when it's no more as simple as finishing and then saying, does anyone have any questions? And the brass tacks of the tech you need to look like a pro. What I want you to reflect on with this one is how fundamentally the current pandemic is going to change the pitch environment. We probably 
won't travel much, at least in the short term. And in the longer term, we will be, I think, revisiting what we're prepared to travel for and to in huge, huge ways. It will be much harder to get us to come to an actual in-person event or pitch. So the concept of spending a day on the road for a 20-minute window so someone can sell to us will be outdated, I believe. And those that have mastered this new age of virtual pitching will be the ones that stand out and win business in the years to come. Whether you are pitching for a multi-million dollar contract or pitching an idea to the board or pitching yourself at the next job interview for the next iteration of your career, whatever that looks like. So believe me, these are skills that you and quite honestly, I need to commit to developing mastery in. So on that note, I'm going to hand you over to the secret weapon behind more successful pitches than he can probably ever count, Brant Pimbidik. Welcome to the podcast, Brant Pindavik. Ah, good to Yay. have you back. Good to have you back. I love being here. Been waiting, sitting here, waiting for your call. I'm ready. I'm ready. I know you have. I know you have. And, and yeah. I'm so glad to be able to actually call you. Let's talk about pitching. Let's talk about how it's changed. Let's talk about what it looks like now. Yeah. Weirdly enough, I was actually with somebody a couple of days ago who was trying to figure out what pitching looks like now. And they're having to pitch for, you know, multi, multi-million dollar deals suddenly over, over the phone, over Zoom, which is something that they're not used to having to do. So pitching, digital pitching, how does the structure and the length change if it changes at all? It changes a lot uh, because you're in a completely different environment with a completely different set of factors that are weighing against you. And it's actually changed over the last few months. In the beginning, it was still sort of like, oh, what's going on? Zoom call. Oh, hey. Oh, my video's working. Cool. Like there was a little bit of that. The tolerance level was up. Now, you know, we call it Zoom fatigue. It's more Zoom disgust. Like people just do not want to be on Zooms all day. And more than that, it's like you you have to respect the fact that it's super invasive. Like no one wants to invite you into their house during the day. It is not their home office. It is not an office environment. They are not in work mode. That's just not the way we've done this when you're at home. It's just, it's a different mentality. And so for 98% of the people, you're in their home. They don't want to get dressed up and they don't want to do anything. And it's very difficult to capture their attention, to make them interested. And it's so easy to turn them off. And they have infinite distractions outside of that little tiny window that you have of theirs. Everything else is going around them and they love to look at that stuff. So you have to prep and take that into consideration. So that's a, it's a huge change. All right. So that's the bad news. What's the, yeah. what's, what's the medicine? What's the good news? How do we do it? The good news is the bar is so obscenely low that if you even put like a 10th of a degree of effort into it, you will shine like the North star. And I've been training clients on zoom pitches since basically the middle of March. I, I was on stage on March 8th, 2000 people at a conference. I was doing the closing keynote and it was the end of the end of the conference and everybody was leaving. And I went off the stage and basically straight to the airport. And I remember the eerie feeling of something weird's going on. This COVID thing is like picking up steam. And by the time I got back to LA, when I landed, I had four speaking gigs canceled while I was in the air. Within two weeks, every single thing on my can calendar was gone. And I was like, wow, this is going to be an extended holiday. This is kind of wild. And within five days, I had, I'm going to say 60 requests for, hey, we have a virtual 
uh, issue, a real issue in the virtual world. We have a sales force training team that has never pitched virtually in their lives because we don't do that. So what do we do? So I've been walking companies through that standpoint and CEOs and whatnot for the last three or four months. And it got to the point where it's like, I could, I could just couldn't do any more business. So I put it out in that Forbes article and I made a guidebook and I just been giving it away being like, Hey, here are the, here are the do's and the don'ts and how to set it up. And the good news is, it's all you have to do is plan. That's all you have to do is that for some reason, people making virtual presentations go about it. Like it's just a simple, like if you just pick up the phone and just start talking, you just put your zoom on. It's like, no, imagine if this was a business trip and you were flying to Minneapolis or you're flying to Chicago or you're flying to Texas or wherever you'd plan it. You'd have materials, you'd know what you were wearing, you'd get a hotel, you'd spend a bunch of money. And so I always use the one business trip guideline. Take what you would spend on one business trip and invest in some uh, audio equipment, some lighting, some video stuff, and a little bit of planning. How about 15 minutes before each Zoom you get ready? How about 15 minutes before a Zoom, you call somebody else with your Zoom and make sure everything's working. Like these are not difficult things to do and nobody does it. How about this? You have somebody else from your office, a family, a friend, an assistant, someone you pay $20 to go on the Zoom before you and connect and give you real-time feedback saying, hey, your audio is dropping out. Yes, I can hear you. Like instead of asking your client, hey, can you hear me? Do you see my video? Like these are not difficult things, but no one's doing them because it's like we all we all gravitate to the least amount of effort. And I'm listening. I'm guilty of it, too. If unless I'm doing an actual presentation or an actual keynote, I'm in a T-shirt. I'm not even wearing pants right now. So <laughs> it's like that, that's Thank the way that. we do it. Right. But I'm not pitching you for millions of dollars when I have those investor pitches or when I'm training like my stuff is off the chart. And it's not because I'm a genius. Oh, yeah, but that's different. It's not that because of that. It's just because I actually plan it out. And that is the huge advantage here. If you walk into a room in a, in a real life pitch, person to person, you can't bring a written script and read off of it. But on Zoom, you could buy a $99 teleprompter, put it on your screen and literally read your script perfectly. It could be the best pitch you've ever given in your life. And yet nobody's doing that. They're, they're just sort of like talking through their slides and it's like, uh, okay, you, you're doing a slideshow with your voice. Like, but it's a complete reframe, this, right? That we're, we're used to, we're used to video. We're used to these digital yeah. mediums as being the place where you wing it. You know, like we're quickly, let's just see each other's face. How you doing? What's going on? We're, we're so That's trained fine for if it's the your team. It's fine. If you're doing a zoom call with your team for an update, like who cares? Do that from your kitchen in your pajamas. That's great. But if you have, if you're looking for money and you're, you're a company and you're a small cap public company and you're going on an investor round and you were pitching real investors, like, no, you can't do that in your pajamas. I would not do that with my, with my video camera on my laptop. I would not do that with my stupid earbuds hanging out of my ears because I care if I'm trying to raise a three or seven, $12 million, like I give a crap and I want to look professional. So let's go, let's, I, I want to move it back to structure and length, because I think that that's yeah. the thing that catches people up. You know, before I would have had, I would have talked for half an hour. I would have had some real time feedback. I would have been able to see people's <laughs> body language, their faces. Yeah. Now I know I can't talk for half an hour. That's not going to be impactful. What's the ideal length and what's the ideal structure? The ideal length is about 15 minutes, maybe 20. And the ideal structure is actually a little more, this is ironic, but it's almost a little more sort of chit chat in the beginning because it's it's more of a start 
that like there's a there's a more of a delineation between the start of the presentation and the nothing at gray area. When you're in person, that kind of just blends in together. You start chitter jatter, you know, you're chipper jabbering a little bit in the room, getting ready, and then you sort of roll into it. On a video presentation, it's kind of like it's very clear. I'm gonna start now, which means I'm gonna share a screen or we're gonna go into it. So it's fine to have a little bit of preamble, talk it through, and then when it's time to go, it's like, okay, hey, yo, pay attention to me and I'm directing this next, these next 11 minutes. And so you need to be in and out of that total in 15. I obviously with the three minute rule is like your beginning, your three minutes needs to be airtight, which is not hard to do if you can read it. And so, and you plan it, which slide goes when, when you're saying what, I mean, you're never going to get an opportunity to be able to prep like this. So take the time and prep it three minutes, lay everything else out. And then it becomes a deeper dive into the meat of it, ask some questions, answer some questions, go through a couple of things. But here's what it is I'm doing. Here's how I do this. Here's how it works. Uh, here's why I'm sure of this in my verification. Here's some slides that show you my pie charts and whatnot. And then here's who I am and here's how we're going to get this done. You've covered those four things in structure. And then now it's like, do you want to talk further? This yeah. is where, you know, I you, your stuff is so relevant right now because this the first three minutes we're talking about digital world where things drop out people get distracted um, the internet suddenly stops working we had issues even getting on this morning that three minutes is more pivotal than it has ever been like oh. if nothing else if they don't hear that three minutes and everything drops out after that you need to have said everything that is important so what should right. be what should be in those first three minutes it's broken down into four stages same thing the way the book still lays it out just really important to nail those things. It's like, what is it? What do you do? What are you asking? What are you? We're an early stage biotech company. We are an electronic motor company. We are, I am a insurance sales. Like, what is it? How does it work? Like, what do you do? So uh, we're a medical device company. We make a um, ventilator extraction system that pulls anesthesia out of a patient. It's a device. It pulls anesthesia out of a patient. It uses a basically a reverse vacuum system and it basically takes anesthesia out of a patient. When you when you go under anesthetic, they're actually inhaling the anesthetic into your body. And so normally it takes a long time for it to slowly dissipate. Well, with this system, it goes around your nose and mouth and sucks out the anesthetic. So it's not in your system after it needs to be. This is incredibly crucial for kids and the elderly who are far more sensitive to brain damage from anesthetic. Uh, okay, do you wanna talk further? If you know those two things, you know what it is we're talking about. And you're like, I can see it in your face. Just that I explained that. You're like, okay, okay. That's kind of a cool, I, that makes sense. Now I'll tell you, we made the system two years ago. We've tried it on the patients here in Colorado. Here's the results. Like I'll show you the chart of how, how it works and the time frame and how the anesthetic works faster, blah, 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 right? Now you get it. Now I'm like, bing, we're an early stage biotech company. We've taken three other things to launch. This is our fourth product in a series. Okay, that whole pitch that I did for that client, it's less than two minutes. And after the two minutes on the Zoom, bang, it's kind of like, okay, do you want to talk further? Do you want more information? Do you want to know about our FDA approval? Do you want to know, like, are you interested? Because if you're not, like, hang up the Zoom and uh, you don't even have to say goodbye. Just press hang up. <laughs> do, right? you, like, do you say that, though? Is, is that a moment? So you do your, you do your three-minute pitch, which involves obviously pulling yeah. out the most vital piece of information. This is who yes. we are. This is what we do. This is why our background is credible. And this is why this is different from anything that you've heard before. Do you yes. then literally say... Do you want to talk further or do you say, it's, is it useful for me two, to go into two more options? Okay, two options. If it's a one on one, if you're talking to someone that can be a conversation, then it literally is, okay, uh, I have a bunch of other information here on some details. 
let me tell, walk you through a couple other things, answer some questions. Now the person can say, oh, this is really cool. Do you do this? Do you do that? How does this work? Have you been in these trials? And it's like, bang. So in that case, I have him set up for that. And he has one of these stream decks. So he's got every single slide, ask every single that. picture, every single thing he's got is on there. So when the, the client, potential client or the investor says, oh, well, did you get FDA? Oh, sure. Bing pulls up that, right? If you're doing a group where it's not like one person's going to ask questions, you're not going to throw out questions to the group. That's a disaster. And I train specifically on groups. If you're training in a group, you're basically making a transition. I, I write about this in the book. You're making a transition from I am informing you. This is the information stage, my three minutes. Now I've given you what I call the foundation of understanding. You now understand what it is I do, how I do it, why we're doing it, and who I am. There's your block foundation. And so that transition is sort of like, it's like saying, I'm going to answer some questions that I'm sure you would have. And then you can start. Let me talk to you about my FDA approval and the trial we went through. And then you go through that. And these things are now what's called engagement. These are engagement phases. These are things that you would want to talk about if you knew what it was, you understand how it worked, you liked that there was some verification, and you want to, you want to talk further. I'm going to assume that you do because there's 19 of you here. Now let me answer. It's like it feels like now I'm going to answer questions. But since I know what your questions are, let me just go through them one by one. And that's when your pitch ends up being 13 minutes, 11 minutes. So like that's the point of that, right? Like no pitch is two minutes and then hang up the phone. Like Got it doesn't it. work like that. But it, it gives them the basics to go. And they're like, oh, I love it. It avoids that awkward moment, right? Which is even worse than yeah. on Zoom where you go any questions and there's this, this deathly silence. People actually do have questions, but they're just sat yeah. there wondering if anybody else has a question that's more interesting than theirs. Right. And so what you do instead is you, you do your first three minutes, you do your kind of like yes. powerful bulletproof three minutes. And then I'm going to answer some yes. questions that people often have at this stage. I'm going to answer some questions right. that- And then you go to the things that, and you go to the parts of your pitch that are only interesting- and relevant if you understand what the company does and how it does it and why it does it, Got right? It. And and it's like, you're not going to talk about the size of the marketplace or your certain trials or the results or these things until I understand what it is. And and that's what they, that's what people do that all the time. They want to throw their engagement things in, in the beginning because they love it so much. They feel like it's so smart and clever and amazing. And oh my God, I, it's just like saying, um, pharmaceutical guys do this all the time or biotech guys do this a lot where it's like they have a drug or something they're working on, but it has a lot of other potential things. Like this is just one of the remedies. Um, I'll give you an example. We, we were working with a big company that was working, that was doing a, uh, Alzheimer's drug. And it was, a, it was a struggle because there's a lot of phases in those trials and they go, they go badly lots. And, but they had another line on a, on a migraine drug from the same protocol. And the problem was, is they were dying to explain that because it's like, hey, even if we don't work in phase two here, we still have this migraine drug that could be huge. And it's like, yes, that's 100% true. But you can't put that in your first three minutes because then it's like, what? I, I thought you guys were Alzheimer's treatment. Now you that's not what you, you want to explain exactly what this company does, how it trains it, how it gets the patents, how it does all that. Bang. Now that we're talking through, okay, let's talk about a little bit more about our phase two trials here and where we're having some resistance. But here's the product that we've been working on the side. And they're like, now the irony is it turns out that our migraine drug is a monster and a huge success and the Alzheimer fell off and never worked at all. But the point was, is that that was an engagement. Now, I, under, I only want to look at your other options once I understand the core option, right? Your secondary clients, after I understand what your first clients, the cool elements, the things that make your pitch so amazing that get you, that keep you up at night. A lot of times, no one else will appreciate that at all. 
until they have some foundation of understanding of what the hell it is you're talking about. I know it's clear to you because you've been living with it, but it's not clear to other people. And I always explain um, the difference between an average screenwriter or a bad screenwriter and a great screenwriter is nothing to them. They all think they're great. And that's because a shitty screenwriter has a crappy script, but when he reads it, it's beautiful. He knows all the nuances. He knows the motivation. He knows the twists. He knows the turns. He knows why the characters say what they do. He knows the pauses in the dialogue. He pictures it perfectly, right? What a great screenwriter can do is he can make you read and understand the same way he does. And that's why it's a great screenplay. That's why Aaron Sorkin nails it every time. Because when he writes something, he's able to make you see it the way he sees it. And when you're pitching, that's your core main goals. Can you get people to see things the way you see it? And the only way to do that is a very clean succession of information. This, then this, now that you know that this happens. And now that you know that, then you can understand this, then you can understand that. And you build that pyramid of understanding. And then your information actually has value. Let's cut to closing it down. So you, you've done the three yeah. minutes, you've done that. These are the questions that people would use. Now that you know that, these are some of the questions that would usually come up. Now, the bit that everybody hates, which is how to stop, how to finish, how, yeah. to, how to get someone to take whatever the next logical step is. Does that shift? Does that shift over digital? Because obviously it's not any questions. We've, we've already covered that. Yeah. Here's the thing. Like you'll always have questions and answers and talking points because you, you'll have put that together, which is great. But you can't do the same call for action that you can in person. For whatever reason, even more so digitally, people are like one step removed. And so you got to understand that like you're pushing people for an answer. And if they say yes, it's a soft yes. Like it's not the same as if you're in the room and they're signing up for stuff. It just doesn't work like that. So you're better off to just get off the call and let them deal with it. If your, informa your information should do the work for you. And so a lot of times what I'll train my clients is just to be like, hey, effectively, I got another meeting. And I got to go. And if you liked what you saw or heard, like we can talk again or I can send you more information, but let's just, gots to go. That's it. You know the stuff. I'm not going to sell you. Nobody's going to let you sell them on Zoom. I mean, come on. So. And so are you best then you to let buy in. have something prepped and to say, look, you know, what might be helpful from here is if, um, we, you know, we finish up today, I'm going to send you some more information. We make an, let's make another time and we can, we can follow up there. Yeah. And the ideal situation is, is that what you do in your Zoom presentation is something you've recorded. And you can send it exactly the way you did it. I it should send be that the recording. Good. Hell, I mean, it should be that good. If it isn't that good that you want to send it, like you got a problem. And all my clients, they have a they have a, a badass recording of their Zoom with the graphics and with the slides. And I don't let people do slideshows for 15 minutes. They're in and out of camera. They're split screens. It's drawing your attention to certain elements. It's a it's a show. It's a video. It's a, let me guide you. It's a golden opportunity to do that. Like that's not going to happen again. This is perfect. Just, We're doing a zoom call and I present it properly. I'm going to send it back to you so you can show your boss, show your wife, show your partner. It's like, it's a win. The potential here isn't so much, you know, when you do a pitch and then you're really relying on the person you're pitching to, to Chinese whispers, whatever you said. Oh my God. Up the chain. Yeah. And so. Yeah. Decision by committee. Yeah. So the, so the, the kind of driving force of a pitch usually is to say something in such a way where somebody else can repeat it and so they can repeat it to somebody else and hopefully you'll get a yes right. somewhere up the chain. You do digital pitches and suddenly that whole thing is gone. Like you send them the video, they can pass yeah. the complete video on to somebody else. So it should be that good. I just got that. At, without question. I mean, I, the, the, the irony is I used to do, I did, I've been doing this for 10 years, exactly like this. I, when I was running, you know, with one of the largest production companies in the world, we were pitching 200 shows a year. 
versions. Like, so each, each show we would take out would pitch six, seven networks. Right. And so you're in LA and LA traffic. Like, how am I going to pitch 50 shows a week? Like, you know, this doesn't work. So I had to develop a system where like, okay, can I pitch on the phone? Can I call people? Can I set it? So I would develop a video with me and a green screen inside my own pitch material saying, Hey, it's Brant from three ball. I want to talk to you a little bit about dynamite dash. This is the show where we, and then I'd walk them through and then I'd send it to them. And then they would tell their boss, oh, hey, Brad said another video and everybody would watch it. And it was, that was how I was able to make that many pitches because I couldn't be there in the room. And I can say this now because I don't care as much, but there's a lot of networks that weren't as important. Is Fuse going to buy this? No, who cares? So I would just be like, I'm not driving all the way there to meet with you. So I drive to meet with ABC, but I won't meet with you. And, and so I'm so used to doing that. I was surprised where I was like, wait a minute, you're not making a video of your Zoom? Like it's a golden opportunity. It records for you. Like you don't even need the equipment. It'll record it for you. The change in mind frame there of this is not something to, to do yeah. and get out of. This is something to do and then have it passed around your client base just flips it, uh, flips it completely yeah. on its head. Simple question, but yes, what I'm getting asked a lot, sitting down or standing up? I mean, for me, it's a hundred percent standing up, but that's just because I stand, I have a stand up desk all the time. So it's more important as like, what's your background? Is it, I call it a purposeful background. Um, and if you go to three minute rule.com slash virtual, you can see all of this information and get the guidebook that'll give you all of the details, all the equipment, how to set all that kind of stuff. You can see one of my old virtual pitches. You can see my new virtual pitch that shows you exactly how a virtual pitch can happen. And it's more important, the background itself, like, is it purposeful? Is it made for what you're presenting? If it looks like your kitchen, if it talks like your kitchen, if it walks like your kitchen, it's your goddamn kitchen. Nobody wants to see your bloody kitchen. Make it seem like you gave a crap. You know what I mean? It would take you it would take you seven minutes to put something in the background. Put a TV. You could buy a TV at Walmart for 600 bucks. You mount it on there. Plug it in. Put something on your screen. Like little things like that. A, a purposeful background with a little bit of distance is massive. Sitting, standing doesn't matter after that. Then I'd say microphone, most important. Any Just particular keep- brand for anybody that's out there? Just... With that um, they're mind. all really good. All USB microphones are going to be good, but you can get a, like a lav mic that sits on your thing. So you're talking and it's perfectly oh, like a clip on clip. Mic. Yeah. Like you can get those on Amazon for hundred for less than hundred bucks. I have a whole list on, uh, my thing where of ones you can try oh, like those kind of things, just this much effort. And you're like, Oh wow. I just crushed everybody else there. So talk to me for anybody that's into tech, we won't go too far into tech because there's a lot of people that that's not their space, but what's the, the slide share thing that I've seen you use a number of times. You just flashed yeah. it up for me. So this is called the stream deck by Elgato. It's basically a hotkey buttons. They're LCD buttons. And when you press them, it triggers things in your computer. So basically you can tell it to do any command in your computer. Anything you could do with a keyboard and a mouse, you could tell this machine to do. So for those of you who can't see it, 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 it basically looks like an iPhone screen. There are icons and you program yeah. each icon to bring up something very specific behind you or On, yeah. An icon to bring up a certain camera or whatever you want. Anything, anything you would be controlling on your computer. If you want to go full screen with your PowerPoint, if you want to switch to a camera, if you want to pull up the chat window, if you want to any of those, anything you could possibly do on your computer, this thing can be programmed to do it in one button. So I'll program it for my clients to be like full screen PowerPoint, split screen PowerPoint, full screen camera. And then I'll have a section of like any of your photos, charts, videos, diagrams. I'll have them programmed on there. So someone says like, what does your warehouse look like? Oh, here's a picture. And it just pulls it up automatically. Graphics, titles, 
You want to have the title of the slide or who you are or what you're doing or the company, your company logo, your trend, like all of those things are instant. And what's great about it is you can then program your entire pitch beginning to middle and end and just put the, hit the buttons in order. One, two, three. So basics, get yourself a mic. Get oh yourself yeah. get yourself some basic basic lighting. Get yourself a mic. I know I'm I'm laughing because I've done none of these things. So you know, just hypocrisy off the scales here. Like it depends what your goal are. What are the stakes? Where's the value? That's all I, I ask all the time. What are the stakes? Mm. Does it matter? If it doesn't matter, then it's fine. But if it, if you want to give the impression like you give a crap and that you're trying and that you're an organization and you're the type of person who does things right. And it's that kind of thing. Well, then, yeah, you put a little effort. If you're recording something like this, this is just you and me. Like, it's fine. We're like, that's why I have my headset on and my proper studio mic because I want the best audio for this. This is not me making mm. a presentation. If it was me making a presentation, I'd have my lav mic and I'd probably be doing my second camera out in front of my thing and presenting. Mic, light, if you can, if, if you want to go up a level, have a screen behind you. If you want to go up a level again, get the controls, the multi-camera, yeah. the whole thing. And you need a second monitor. That's the other big thing. You can't have your single computer have all the things you need. You need two screens, one screen for all the crap, the Zoom crap and all the things, and one where the cameras are and your material so you can see what you're doing. And it's actually helpful to kind of like to be able to look around now because the way normal people converse, we don't stare at each other in each other's eyes the entire time locked in here and never look away, right? Like that's just weird and creepy. And that's what people end up doing in Zoom. They're looking at their camera or they're looking at something else. They never, you know, so it's if you have two screens, you're actually looking and going to the cameras and all that kind of stuff. So it helps the natural pace of that for presenting. And, And I use what's called the three Ds, right? Be direct, meaning get to the point, have a directive so you know exactly why this is a Zoom call. Why isn't this a phone call? Why isn't this an email? There better be a reason. You better have something that you need to show somebody that there needs to be some cameras on. If not, this isn't Zoom worthy. So do it as a phone call. So what is your directive? Why are we on here? And be direct and get to it. And then be the director. You are telling people on the other side exactly what to see exactly what to look at and exactly where to focus every second of your three minutes. You know what they should be looking at, what's important the entire time. Because you can't just throw up a slide and talk through it and hope they just figure it out. That's not the way it works. Prep time. We talked a little bit about prep time, but just give me very quickly practice time. So for every, if you're going to do a 15 minute pitch, how much time should you have put in from a practice perspective with that? Three days. Three days. Three days worth of practice for a 15-minute pitch. If it's your first pitch on something that you haven't done before and it's going to go virtual, you should block out three full days because then you won't need to do it again. Got it. And like go through the tech, learn the details, figure that stuff out. It's You don't have to be a tech person. Google, YouTube, you can figure – and this is the thing. This is one of the reasons I stopped um, doing a lot of my virtual training is because, you know, listen – everybody likes to get paid. It was nice. But at some point I was like, I don't want to be an IT technician. Anymore. And to be fair, like people are asking me stupid questions and not everybody was paying me enough to ask me that stupid of questions. At some point I was like, that's it. You could have figured this out on Google in 15 minutes. And I mean, I can't, I don't, I can't justify charging you for this kind of work. Like it's just not, this is not fair. So that's why I put it out there on the, I wrote the Forbes article about it and just gave it away. Cause it's like, listen, here's the details. You can Google this stuff pretty quickly and figure like just put a little effort. That's all I'm saying. If you if you got something that's actually valuable, block off three days to make sure that your virtual version of your pitch, because you're going to be doing this for the next foreseeable future, 
that's a small price to pay. And if you won't do that, then it's not obviously that very important to you. And you don't really care about the stakes or you don't think it actually matters. And I can tell you it does. All right. Last question. What will, I mean, you look at kind of like 12 months from now, the majority of us are going to be pitching. Like the, the ones that are going to be winning the business are going to be those that, that nail the digital pitch. That's just going to yeah. be the way that it's going. Either digital pitch or the phone pitch. What will they, what will they have in common? What will the best digital pitches have in common? Um, I think it'll be clarity and completed video. That's what I think it's going to be, is that your version of the pitch is the same when, whether it's, it's a recorded video or it's live. You won't be able to see the difference. Because they will have prepped it and there's no, there's no room for error. Why have an error? Why would you wing it? It's a video. A live video on a Skype or a Zoom or a recorded video on a Skype is no different. So why would you screw it up? It'll be airtight. And like I already see that. Like some of the stuff my, my clients have done is it's off the chart awesome. Looks like a corporate video and it was recorded on their Zoom. And now it's kind of like I'm going to send this to you before we even get on Zoom. And then we'll just talk serious and we'll talk numbers oh, and we'll talk details. I love that. Because it's like, okay, how about I explain you all the, the surface details now? And if you want to talk at your engineering team and let's get into it. Love and it. that's been super effective. I'm going to close it here because I think just that, that just mind flip alone. Would you be happy if you, if you wouldn't be happy to record what you just did or have recorded what you just did and send it to them beforehand and then make a call just to take yeah. questions, then you're not putting yeah. enough into it. That's exactly right. I love that. I'm going to close on that. Thank you. Once again, you nail it in the first three minutes and then you continue. There it is. After that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No pants required. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode and found tons and tons of useful ideas and insights for growing your own influence. Now, for those of you who want to take the next step in your influence journey, you want to take everything you have learned today and just ramp it up a notch, or you just want to learn more about the power of thought leadership when it comes to growing a business, an enterprise, or spreading an idea, there is now also a research paper that you can download from my website, juliemasters.com. Pop in your email address. It is free. We will not spam you, but it is jam-packed full of all the ideas, tools, and case studies that I have come across in 10 years of doing this work. It's called the Influencer Code. It's not long, but it is full of value. So download it, keep it, share it, juice it for all it is worth. I hope that it makes a massive difference in your career or business. Thank you always to our producer, co-founder, and the main brain, I'm not joking, behind the Inside Influence podcast, Lauren Kelly. In the words of Jerry Maguire, you complete me. And if you did enjoy the show, then we would love you to share this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, whatever your platform of choice happens to be. And don't forget to subscribe to make sure that you never miss an interview.